Hey, everybody. Welcome to BeautyCast Network's Mastering Beauty, a podcast for beauty, barbering, and wellness professionals looking for successful, sustainable, and satisfying careers. Every Sunday, we feature brilliant professionals from across the industry offering their best advice on a variety of topics. I'm Gordon Miller, CEO of BeautyCast Network and your podcast host. And today, our guest is Ulta Beauty Senior Director of Education and Creative, the founder of the Beauty Finance Group, a certified financial educator and licensed financial agent. She has a tremendous passion for sharing what I think is absolutely critical knowledge about finance and financial literacy with professionals throughout the entire industry. Welcome to the BeautyCast Network's Mastery Beauty Podcast, Ulta Beauty's Anna Manukin. Hello, hello, Gordon. I'm so excited to be here. I am too. We've been trying to do this for a while. I've had stuff that has just gotten in our way. I apologize for that, but thank you for being here today. We finally did it. Yay. Finally did it. And today is perfect. You know, life is uh, life is always eventful, right? So today is the perfect day to have this conversation. <laughs> it's so eventful and I'm really excited. There's nothing eventful happening today. So <laughs> other than frozen, frozen weather in Chicago. So, frozen weather. That's right. And you're in LA and I'm very jealous. So today we're going to talk about money, one of your t- favorite, favorite topics. And before we get started, like just what drew you big picture in life to this topic of finance? I'm curious because, again, you've got so much passion around it. It just excites me. Thank you. You know, it was a it was a journey of many years for me to get to this place. And, you know, I'll, I'll go way back. So my family and I came to the United States as political refugees, actually, when the Soviet Union was falling apart way back in you know, in 1989. And we came with, I want to say it was like $8. It was one of those Mm -hmm. families. Every Mm -hmm. single thing was, you know, including my little backpack with my little dolls in it was taken at the border. And, you know, I saw how, how, what, what the, how hard my dad had to work to be able to provide food on the table. And I remember what $20 meant, like $20 meant um, an incredible amount. And very early on, I, you know, I started working when I was 13. I saw how hard you had to work to be able to live a life of where you're not having to worry about what it means to have food on the table. And, you know, I started working at 13. I started working at a salon in 15. And very quickly, I saw how incredible this industry was to be able to have a successful life, to be able to have creativity, to be able to have like a good team camaraderie, to have some sort of balance. And, you know, I started working in this industry at 15 years old. And, you know, when I think about how surprised I was at the fact of how successful so many of these hairdressers were, and they were living great incomes. And so my passion for getting into this industry was, again, that sense of creativity and balance and the financial possibilities within it. And, you know, I've had a very successful career in that, you know, I went to beauty school before I even graduated high school. Like I didn't really have a uh, a youthful experience, so to say. I hustled and, and worked and did everything very, very early, including you know working at L'Oreal as a corporate employee at the when I was 19 years old. Wow. I had no business having a company car or company <laughs> card, but there I was. And so while I was always very driven, I had the opportunity to work with salons all across the United States. I led artist teams. And the story of money within that is I saw very early on I had access to some of the most successful people in this industry. And then what I started seeing year over year over year was how unsustainable that success was because nobody in our industry talked about money. Well, we talk about how to get, how to make more money, how to take better care of your clients, how to focus on retail, but nobody really prepares this industry for, great, what do you do with that money once you have made it? How are you investing that money? 
And the other thing, I mean, you know this better than most, is when I would talk about any hairdressers, because a part of my rollback, you know, throughout my career was focusing on business development. And when I would even meet with, you know, stylists that at that point were, you know, 20 years ago were making six figures, they would say, yeah, I'm doing well, but, you know, I'm really not a math person. Like, it's just that it kind of works out for me. I focus on my craft. I focus on my guests. I'm not a math person. And the reality is, is that when I started seeing those people make less and less money year over year and not have an exit plan for retirement. When I saw those money, when I saw those people lose everything, because, you know, we had an educator on one one of the brands that I was working on, highly successful. She was driving to a class. She got T-boned by a truck, broke her hips. And guess what? She couldn't work for seven months. And because she was an educator and not a full-time employee, she didn't have proper insurance. So she went into debt. She lost all of her savings. I mean, you, and this is just one story. So my true passion came across from, again, having the personal experience of how hard we work for money in this industry and how a lot of us aren't taught how to make that money work for us. We're taught to hustle. We're taught to say yes. We're taught to show up early. We're taught to climb. We're taught to take care of our guests. But nowhere along that journey are we taught to take care of ourselves long term. And then again, seeing so many people that I care about lose everything because of one bad day, which, you know, in the in the course of a 30 year career, that one day will happen, whether God forbid it's a accident, whether you slip and fall, whether, you know, your partner, something happens to I mean, whether we live through another pandemic, my goodness, there's so many things that inevitably happen that potentially could knock down everything that we worked for unless we have a solid foundation built. And so, you know, I became highly passionate because I couldn't find a really great financial like advisor, financial education that I would be able to to introduce to this industry. And the reality is, is that, you know, even as like an executive, even as somebody that was is successful and that's able to have, you know, these kinds of conversations, any single time I would go in to talk to, whether it was about my 401k or whether it was about, you know, doing some investments or anything, I always felt so much less intelligent. I always felt like I was being belittled, whether it was intentional or not, right? Because being a woman, being just all of the things, or even the negative self-talk that I had of, I'm just not good at the subject. And I'm like, well, if I'm feeling that way, if I go and talk about my 401k and they're throwing terms at, terms at me that I just get more confused and more defeated, quite honestly, if I'm feeling this way, What's and you know what's a what's how is an independent hairdresser in the middle of the country feeling when they're going and talking trying to talk about their future and you know a finance bro is like well what do you mean you don't know about this don't you know how are you running a business if you don't know these terms and that happens so often that I'm like let's change this let's change this so um, I had a really great mentor um, who I was able to find that focuses on uh, financial education um, her name is Virginia Narcessian um, and I had brought her in to do some you know some financial training. And I was incredibly inspired. And so I went and, you know, got my financial uh, educator certificates. I went and got my SIE baseline, like securities license. I got several different types of um, insurance licenses. I'm in in an accredited, you know, financial planning program with Pepperdine. Like there's so much just not to be able to, you know, do this for do like the investment side of it for a living, but to really be able to act as a translator for this industry and really give us the power to ask questions that we need answers to with with feeling confident and with the fact that it's okay not to know. We didn't learn these things growing up, but we can make that change now, not only for the rest of our careers and our futures, but for you know how we approach our children and, and the future generation of this industry as well. So I mean, clearly to say I'm very, very passionate about it. Um, and it's definitely, I think the legacy that I want to leave behind is, um, 
you know, we can always make more money. We can always take on more clients, but how are we taking care of ourselves when we're so busy taking care of everyone else? I love every bit of that. And and there's a part of that that's just like, I can't help but say that if we take a step back from this topic and just think about the industry and careers and what it takes to be successful, kind of fundamentally in, in the moment, like, you know, the now of success, you know, um, we, we have this long history of getting the need for never-ending education. I'll use hair color as an example. Never-ending education, you know, getting out there, doing those classes on a regular basis, really understanding the science that relates to hair color, really understanding all the different techniques and ways that you can accomplish it. And we don't really question that. We, we get it. It's like, that's what it takes to be really great at something. Well, it, it takes education and training and, and kind of understanding um, of the concepts behind the practices around money. It's, it's like, you know, it, it, it's required in every part of our professional lives that we learn what it is that we got to do to make something work for us. And that would include money, but somehow those conversations just seem to have been left out until recently, um, I would say, um, for so much of the industry. Well, it's interesting because, you know, we just lived through the highest uh, inflation year of the last 30 years. And it's uh, I've been in this industry for what, 24 years and it's the first time in 24 years where I heard inflation be talked about industry-wide. And granted, you know, it, it it was the record high. However, when you think about inflation, the, even even in a really you know slow year, inflation still goes up three to five percent every single year. It's always with and us. It's always with us. It's always with us. Yet when you talk, you know, when you ask any stylist in any back room of what the price increase, you know, what their price increase strategy is, they look at you like. Oh, what are you talking about, right? Um, there's so much stigma associated with that. You know, the other thing, you know, when you look at kind of the service curve, and I, you know, I talk about this all the time in my classes, when you kind of look at the service curve of a career in beauty, you know, the first five to seven years, we're actively hustling. We're actively hustling again. We're staying early. We're coming in early. We're staying late. We're business. Like we've got our eyes on the prize of being that booked and busy stylist and being that salon owner of just, you know, what that looks like for us. And then we reached up that top and we plateau. And guess what happens? We start to, we're, you know, we know we're not looking for new guests. We start saying no to new guests. We're not raising our prices. We are like, and we're working towards burnout. And then what happens towards the last, you know, 10 to 15 years actively of the, of a career in beauty is you start to make less and less and less money. And it's one of the few places that the longer you're in it, the less money you actually make. Because again, we never count for attrition of our clientele, right? Clients die, they find other stylists, they move away. Um, we don't count for inflation on a regular consistent basis and what that means for the cost of doing business for ourselves. And the other thing that I'm really passionate about that also ties to finance is, you know, we don't look for our own physical decline. Mm -hmm. The reality is, is that this industry is also incredibly glamorized for, you know, for, oh yeah, I just drink coffee. You know, I mean, back in the day, it was like, coffee <laughs> and was like diet. Yes, and while yes. we are becoming a bit more health conscious, you know, if I was to tell you, let's just say, forget the industry, you and I, Gordon, are farmers, we're going to open up a farm. And We've got 30 years and we've got three tractors, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's, the, that's how long we're going to get this farm for. And we've got three tractors and one's going to, you know, plow, plow the field. One's going to plant the seeds. One's going to gather the harvest. Are you leaving out that tractor in the middle of the rain? Are you never forgetting to change its oil? Mm -hmm. Are you never like taking it for service, right? No, you're going to take care of that because you know that you're going to have to make these things last 30 years. And when you look at our own physical tools of our wrists, of our back, of our, our, our physical selves and compare it to that comparison, we are terrible, right, of the way that we take care of ourselves. Yep. 
And, and our minds. Let's not forget our minds. Exactly. And so what happens is that the physical burnout is very real. So again, the point of how do you make sure that you're physically protected, that your income is protected, that you have the proper you know, disability insurance, long-term care insurance, so that if something happens, again, that six weeks or six months isn't completely halting or, you know, or breaking down everything that you've ever worked for, right? So we have to account for all of those things. Love that. Oh my gosh. I haven't even gotten to my first question yet. I'm so, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Uh, I can talk all day. We we haven't talked about this, you know, but my degree in college was investment finance. So I I do have a passion for this. I do have a passion for the topic, even though I chose not to to get into investment finance after I graduated college. Um, My best friend in college, he also got a degree. He retired at 40. I'm still working. So (laughs) he he chose to do the investment finance thing. Um, Okay. We always talk about best advice on, on this podcast. And so I want to switch gears for a moment and just talk about the best advice that anybody has given you that's helped you have this really long, great career that, that you were in the middle of. Yeah, no, thank you. I think, you know, the best, I mean, I've obviously I've, I've had an incredible amount of really, really wonderful mentors in this industry. But one the one that always sticks out to me is uh, a gentleman by the name of Colin Walsh um, was... You know, I, I started, as I mentioned, I started in, in this industry very, very young. And I always had the privilege of being in rooms that were, you know, way above my demographic from a from an age standpoint, from an industry experience standpoint. And, you know, while I was always a very like, you know, you put me on a stage, you put me in a classroom, and I was always like, you know, it's, you know, my Beyonce comes out, right? But I would get into executive <laughs> rooms and I would really the the self, the self detriment of the self, um, what's the word? depreciating voice would just turn right on and it'd be like, you don't know this, you know, be quiet. And I would really talk myself down. And I remember Colin one time was like, you know, I hear really like, I hear great things about you. People, people really, people really like you. And then I see you on, you know, I see you when you're in action and I'm like, okay, I get it. He goes, and then I get you into any of the meetings where I want to hear what you have to say. And you just kind of turn off. He's like, so I really don't get what all the buzz is about. If you're going to bring it, bring it consistently. And that was really, I have to say, a pointing tur- a turning point in my career is everybody has their self-deprecating voice is, you know, give yourself the permission to shine, to own the space that you take and to really tell your little voice to like, stop it. Tell your little voice to be quiet because, you know, that really changed the way that I started showing up and really owning the things that I know that I know, asking more intelligent questions and contributing more intelligently, that really was a turning point in my career. And so what I, you know, would pass that same advice is, you know, own the space that you take, be, know that the expectations that people have of you most of the time are for you to not fail, are for you to really bring something special to the table. And, you know, whether you're another executive or another leader, whether you're a stylist in the booth rental salon and you're like, well, what's my point of difference? And, you know, when there's 10 other stylists around me, regardless of where you are in the context of your career, that advice of, you know, really own your point of difference and know that that's what makes you special and give yourself the permission to show up intelligently and strongly will always serve you good. And so, yeah, it's, it's, that was a literal game changer for me. And I would say to those who are listening, who are still in school, we have a very diverse audience across, you know, pretty much, you know, every, every point in time on the career, the same would apply. Right. I mean, I think, you know, that again, I I love that you said, you know, that, you know, when you think about it intelligently, I, I think across all parts of our career, when you think about it respectfully within a group, um, to, to, 
I guess in, in a lot of ways you're saying push past imposter syndrome, which is so, so common. Oh my God. Yeah. And you know what? It's uh, we're unique in many, many ways. The fact that we have imposter syndrome is not, that doesn't make us unique. Everyone has it. Whether you talk to a CEO, whether you talk to a beauty school student, whether you, regardless of the scope of this industry, everyone deals with their own version of imposter syndrome. And so um, just know that lean into the, the other ways that you are unique and special, you know, just kick that to the curb. Love it. Love it. Love it. So, okay. So let's, let's spend some time talking about money. And even before we start talking, cause I, cause I know how deeply you care about this topic and I've seen you and listened to you and I'm going to invite you back for a part two before we even finish part one. Um, but let's, let's start with the big idea of why, like, why does this topic matter so much to every professional? Because we don't need to be starving artists. Listen, there's a lot of money. There's a lot of potential for financial, for true financial success in this industry. And again, it's it's not something that's talked about. We have stylists that are making multiple six figures and, you know, and and there's no retirement plan. When you look at, you know, I logged on to, I don't know, I'm one of a group of, I'm a part of one of the Facebook groups for stylists and it's like the, the US and Canada. And somebody asked the question of, hey, what are you guys doing for retirement? And you should have seen the thread. Oh my goodness, I have some screenshots. And it was, you know, some of them were a bit comical, right? It was like, you know, get a sugar daddy. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm going to work until the day that I die. The, 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 you know, the, the, the day of the lunch of my funeral. Retirement, what are you talking about? That doesn't happen in our industry. My favorite one was Mary Rich. You know, oh my goodness. Um, Daniel Mason Jones and I were having this conversation and he love, was like. Love Daniel, hated Daniel. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. He was like, what's, uh, you know, the, the worst, the worst retirement joke of this industry is when somebody's, you know, what's a, what's a retire? Oh my God, I'm going to butcher the joke, but basically what's a retire, what's a hairdresser's retirement party. And it's like her wedding day to a wealthy man. And I'm like, God, it's just <laughs> terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> and so the reality is, is that, you know, there's such a stigma. There's such a stigma around the fact that, you know, we have to work into our 60s and 70s. I mean, past the point of where our bodies are starting to fail on us, right? So it's when you start to understand how money works, how compounding interest works, how, you know, investing into different assets works. And it's such foundational information. And it's made to feel so complicated and so out of reach. But when you really start to break it down, it's you know, any, any, I promise you, any hair color correction formula is so much more difficult than that. But yet we're told that oftentimes, you know, that's not for us or it's not something we're going to understand. Once we really know what we need to know and when we start knowing enough to ask the right questions, you can have an incredibly successful portfolio for retirement for assets built where that will continue to take care of you when you're no longer taking care of your guests. And, you know, when, again, I look at a 30-year hairdressing career, like there's absolutely no reason outside of not knowing what we don't even know that prevents us from building a really successful, not only retirement plan and a future of our, uh, you know, for our, for our own self thriving, right? But for us to be able to create legacies and and change the way that this industry is viewed upon in general, right? And I'm going to give everybody in the audience, especially those who are newer to their careers in school, in the early years of your career, um, but something for I think everybody to be aware of the number one people, the number one reason that people leave this industry, let go of their dreams, I would say, in most cases, is financial, not making enough money to get by. And to your point, you know, I think we 
you and I are in positions to just kind of constantly scan the industry and there's so many success stories. And what I find that's unique about those stories is not that that person has superpowers, you know, that they've done some really kind of basic, you know, blocking and tackling, you know, to use a, a sports metaphor, which as a really gay guy, I should not be doing. Um, <laughs> I hope I got it right. But, um, you know, there, there's foundational stuff. So, but people leave off too often because of financial reasons that had they had the knowledge, they could have overcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what we can, it's it's truly a craft that can be taken anywhere in the world, right? That's why so many of us get into it is that it's so feel good. It's so, it's so personally rewarding on a daily basis. You know, it really is an opportunity to connect so deeply with, with people, but we have to charge appropriately for it. We have to not just show up and do hair or do skin or do makeup or do nails, right? Regardless of what side of the industry that you're on, it's how is everything that you're doing planting seeds that will continue to grow for you? that you can live off of later. And, you know, again, when you start to look at, for the, especially, my goodness, especially for those of you that are in beauty school, the number one rule with growing money is time. Like how long you have to grow money is so much more important than how much you have. That once you start to understand, again, how money makes money through compounding, you know, if you're just getting started, my goodness, the future is so incredibly bright for you. Just learn what you need to learn and be consistent with it. And if you want to... Perhaps some shocking information, I'm not sure. <laughs> but I saw a recommendation for you on social media. I immediately went and took that kind of advice and downloaded an app. And it's called, I believe, Compounder. Yes. And I'm actually, Stop. yeah, uh -huh. I, I've been sharing it with, with folks. And I, I recommend everybody just go look at it and put some basic info and, and have your mind blown when you can see what happens over time when you put some money aside. Absolutely. So, you know, it's a, uh, you, you know, so Compounder, yes, I love that app. And again, it's not, you know, it's not sponsored or anything like that, but it, it's really like, if you look at, you know, how, if you want to put away $50 a week for 15 years, it'll give you exactly how much you'll be contributing and how much profit you'll gain just from that money making money. You can play around with every single, every single scenario. And again, once you start to understand kind of the power of that growth, it's not about we don't get rich. Listen, the wealthy don't get wealthy by putting their money in a, you know, in a savings account in a bank. We don't uh, get wealthy by putting money in shoeboxes and keeping it there, right? Especially rate of inflation. Things are depreciating so quickly that we've got, you know, and now when you look at completely safe investments like, you know, CDs, right? Or like even high yield savings accounts that are paying industry high rates of return, like 4.5%, 5%. Oh my God, I know. It's incredible right now, right? So again, knowing like what those words even mean, how to even take advantage of something like that. So that your money at least is, you know, keeping up with the cost of inflation. Again, long term, it's that's that's what grows us, um, grows our ability to to be financially free long term. Talk for a moment about, you know, because again, listening to you, I think, you know, there's kind of two sides to the financial coin. I always think of from a career perspective. One's kind of you know, and you mentioned like price increases and all those things. So one is like, how do we think about our money as it relates to our business, the money coming in and coming out of the business, whether, you know, we're part of something larger or, or, you know, running our own business or being independent or whatever, but how do we think about that? And then how do we think of our money once it reaches us as a human outside of our business, you know, our paycheck or our taking of, of income or profits, whatever it might be. And they're very different. I mean, I, some of the best financial advice I got young was live within your means. It's a very simple idea. It's a, it's a starting place for, for everything you're talking about. But 
Talk about that for a moment, the professional versus the personal and, and how they maybe come together. I think, yeah, no, I really wait, uh, you know, I mean, those, like, be clear, crystal clear with what the business operate, your business operating expenses are, right? Because there's so much, especially going into, you know, for whether you're, if you're an independent uh, booth renter, if you're, only, if you have a suite, you're very clearly, you know, what costs are associated with it, that sometimes you're not exactly aware of when you're first you know, going into that business model, right? So be crystal clear about what your parameters are, what your product costs need to be, what your, where, where are you on the profitability margin so that you're truly operating a a lean and successful business, right? You know, when we look at, you know, even even things like, so this is some, this is always a stat that like blows my mind. If you look at, you know, $6 and it's $6.70 a day. So $6.70 a day, you know, which a lot of people equate to like a Starbucks cup of mic. Mm-hmm. And if I mm-hmm. want my coffee, you and I have a, both have a passion for coffee. Yes, we do. <laughs> Not take the coffee away. <laughs> However, that's, you know, that's just below an average cost of two of a tube of color. Right. If you think True. about that, yep. so how many of us are over mixing formulas, for example? So let's just take one. Um, so six dollars and sixty cents a day, if invested over thirty years, is like four hundred and thirty-four thousand dollars. With about a ten percent appreciate, uh, you know, return. Right. Yep. Yep. So if I look at okay, how do I break down? Where do I know how much of my of what I make? I'm able to keep more of. I'm, I become a lot more intentional with how I spend my money, whether it's for personal reasons, whether or it's for my business operating expenses. So I think what the common denominator of that is, is that be really crystal, crystal clear of how much do you, of what you make is yours to keep. How much of what you make is actually yours to keep. So, you know, when we think about, okay, I may be making, you know, $100,000 a year, $50,000 a year, or, you know, $300,000 a year, whatever range of that spectrum you're on, you know, think about like MC Hammer. Think about all of the, all of the rappers that were millions. You think about any lot of you know his yeah. winner history, right? Oh There's my gosh, yes. People, it's not a money problem. It's really a behavior problem, right? So having a lot more money doesn't solve the 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 long term sustainability of having success of, of having money success. So it's you know of course live within the means, but be really intentional. You know, one of the things in this in in, in the finance education world as you know a big saying is pay yourself first and i'm always like okay but how do you okay pay what does that mean yeah right mean and so you know one of the books that is just like a really great um a really good baseline financial book you know it, it's like a story but it ties to it ties to um behaviors is uh the richest man in babylon and you know the way that like in that saying of a part of all i make is mine to keep really stuck with me. And so that's the thing is, you know, when you think about all of the cash that's coming in, you've got to pay everyone else. How much of what you're actually bringing in is yours, whether that's from a business operating expense standpoint, whether that's from a personal finance standpoint. And, you know, I think what's really helpful in the behavior with money is especially now, especially in the world that we're living in, where you know, it's so incredibly easy to spend money. My goodness, it's in your pocket all the time. If I tell you how many TikTok midnight purchases I've made. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed. You know, yeah. some are yeah. better than others. But I bet you have, do you have a closet yet? Do you have a TikTok closet? Right, exactly. <laughs> well, not yet, not yet. But, but you know, it's it's being intentional with our money. And when I th- think through the lens of the money mindset, one of the most, you know, probably one of the most um, eye-opening experiences, right, that you can have and I've, you know, I do this occasionally because, you know, it, it's a practice because, you know, I, we do tend to slip. It's 
take a look at your last week's take a look at your last week's bank account. If you want to go for last month, go for it, but like take a look at the last week's bank account and highlight the things that you needed. So like maybe your rent came out last month, your mortgage payment, your car payment, whatever, all the things that come out, you know, around that first week of the month. Highlight all those things in green. Like these are the needs. These I have to pay for. Highlight in a different color all of the ones that were wants that you were like, yep, I wanted this. All right. So I wanted an extra cup of coffee. I wanted, you know, an Amazon, something that I added to cart last minute. I wanted, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you wanted, right? A week later, how much of those wants are still wants? How much of those wants are still wants? What tends to happen is we have so much waste within those categories. And, you know, I always say never trust anyone that's going to tell you to give up your daily coffee because, you know, you're not you're not you're not buying a house on right. you know, purchases. Right. But the reality is, is that we have to learn to live with intention and we have to I feel like I want to live with abundance. I work my butt off as mm-hmm. do you, right? so much of this industry. Like, I don't want to live poor. I don't want to live like I'm a constantly on a money diet. I don't want to. However, when I start to look at, okay, what really brings me joy? Like, what do I really want and really lean to spend my money on those things and be just more intentional with what's going to be just a waste? That's like, no, that's just a waste. I'm wasting my own money here. And you'll be amazed at how much money you're actually finding that literally is bleeding out of our accounts, especially, I mean, granted, you know, we're not as much of a cash-driven industry as we were in years past, right? Do you remember the days where there was like, Cash everywhere, everywhere. Like like to follow a hairdresser to the laundromat, and you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was like a gold mine because there was 50s, 20s, 10s, all the money everywhere falling everywhere pockets, right? But and while so much of that is now on, you know, on the on the apps, right? Um, it's it's still there's still so much money that's not accounted for. So to really start to again be intentional, so you can live with abundance, so you can live in a mindset of. I'm really a, I'm living a really successful, very abundant, very fulfilling financial career versus, oh, I can't afford these things or I'm not going to do this. It's We have a lot of money that slips to our fingertips. But when you start to really look at what are my needs baseline, what are my needs? All right, let me sprinkle in my wants, right? Because realistically about, you know, if you think about about 20%, 30% should be really focused in the things that we want. Um and really eliminate some of the wastes, you're going to really start to change your behavior around money and how you see things and think twice before you click on something to buy now, because, you know, you're like, am I really going to want this a week later? Or is this just the need of something else that I'm feeling? Maybe take a sip of water. One of the things that I've started doing is like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put this down. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to drink, you know, take, drink some water because we also need to hydrate. I'm going to come back to it. If I still really want it, then I'll think about it. But otherwise, like, okay, I, you know, so find a decent, find a good behavior that is going to break that pattern for you. But uh, where you start to really pay attention to where our money is going. Well, and so much of the conversation about money, I think it should be about our behaviors, you know, um, and our behaviors come from all kinds of places, you know, whether it's hopefully great role models who are in front of us today, but in the absence of great role models, it's sometimes it's just the stuff we learned over time, which depending on how we grew up, I, I grew up without a lot and I did not learn good behaviors. Um, I just, I just didn't because I lived in a very financially dysfunctional family. And so I carried that forward until eventually, even with a degree in investment finance, I still didn't get it. I still had bad behaviors. Eventually, I, I had a boss who became a role model and a mentor to me and everything changed, but it, it took getting there. 
Yeah. I mean, think about, you know, there's so many backgrounds of what brings us to the specific industry. And a lot of us, you know, very, very few of us come from a grade well deal of generational wealth. A lot of us come from, you know, from from service oriented backgrounds ourselves. A lot of us come from, you know, from from independent single parents who had to work their their whole lives to be able to put us through something, right? We come from, I mean, if I know, look at my own parents, we came from, I told you, we came, you know, with literally nothing. Not only that, we came from a communist country where you couldn't just go to a store and buy something. So my mother, like my dad would literally work himself to the bone and my mother would, Soviet mentality, would hoard and spend. And I mean, you go into any pantry, she looks like she's getting ready for the apocalypse. But because <laughs> of the, the mindset of yep. the Soviet Union, if there's nothing, you can't go into a store and buy bread. There's no investments, but God, there's like a pharmacy and a, everything in the house. And so, which is also so dysfunctional because you're, you're like, be prepared for the worst case scenario for today, for this week. But there's no trust in the fact that no, invest your money so it actually works for you, right? So it's a very wide array of varieties that get us to this place in time. But again, knowing what resources are available to us, what financial behaviors do we really need to hone in and address and really look at it as a practice? You know, I love what you said about earlier about the fact that there's so much education, incredible education, right, industry-wide around you know, balayage techniques, color correction, all the different things from from that standpoint. And yet when we talk about, you know, okay, but how do we actually hone in on our financial behavior, financial concepts, like really setting ourselves up for for that side of the business, right? It's it's crickets. And it's and it's foundational, like for the, anybody listening who loves the craft, like you're, you're like, I'm in it because I love doing great hair color. I love doing great, you know, short haircuts or whatever it is, you know, that you've got this passion. Well, what we're talking about today, to me, is kind of the foundation for longevity. So you can do those things for the rest of your career. Because without the financial foundation, it potentially is all going to fall apart on you and you you no longer have the career that's your bliss. I equate it as, I equate it as, you know, of being an exceptionally talented interior decorator when you go into a house and everything is like Mwah, just beautifully curated and the house is built on sand, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Financial foundation is what will allow you to continue to build on your craft, continue to perfect it, continue to you know have a more beautiful and a more gratifying career. But if something shifts, if something changes, then everything that you've worked so incredibly hard for your whole career doesn't fall apart. And so when you look at kind of the foundational, like what are the four key buckets of, you know, of of building a successful foundation is, you know, this topic is so not sexy to talk about, but it's so incredibly important is understanding insurance and understanding how to protect your income, right? That if, you know, you get injured, if you're out of work for six weeks, if like knowing the terms, knowing what you're signing up for, understanding what you need. Um, especially when you're young and healthy, right? Because people also think like, well, you know, I'm in my 20s. Like, do I really need insurance? Listen, do it now is so much less expensive than when you're in your 50s and 60s. And by the way, here's a hot hot tip. All disability insurance expires when you're 65. There's a few companies which are hard to find in this industry or in the in the finance or in the insurance industry that will insure you until you're 67. Okay, but all disability insurance expires when you're 65. So when you think about, okay, you being a hairdresser and, you know, we're expected to work without retirement, right? That's kind of the, that's kind of the industry concept. And 
guess what? You're going to be, when you start to really need it, your disability insurance is going to, isn't going to be available for you. So what is in place of that, right? So understanding those things, highly, highly important. Understanding how to manage debt. Understanding how to manage debt is incredibly important, right? It's, how do we utilize like compound interest to, you know, it's our best friend when we're talking about investments, but guess what? In a compounding debt scenario against you, when you're borrowing against your credit cards and how it feels like walking up quicksand, really understanding that. And how do you get yourself out of that? Highly, highly, you know, let's talk about uh, when you really think about like, again, asset protection, when you think about, you know, investments, right, really understanding having an emergency fund and having money aside. So if something was to happen, you're not always dipping into debt. And, you know, ultimately, you know, would you invest your money in long term so that it continues to grow? So really the four of, you know, protection of debt management of like emergency fund planning, and then ultimately investing your money. You've got to know just enough in each of those categories to be dangerous. You don't have to have a finance degree. You don't have to have like all of the things, but you need to know enough to set yourself up for some for success and to be able to ask the questions that are going to lead you to the right answers. Love all that. And and again, foundational to having a long career because without the right stuff in place, we just have a a track record of, of people losing their careers. I, I tend to think myself uh, about money in three kind of buckets. And this is kind of an everyday way of thinking for me that I've had for a long time, which is kind of short-term, medium-term, long-term, which I think is such a just simple idea that we can apply to so many parts of our life. If I want to be a great colorist, like what's my short-term take on that? What's my medium-term? What's my long-term? My long-term might be that I want to be an educator someday. And, you know, like what, what am I going to put around that? So to me, like my short-term, you know, when I start to think about money, is like, what does it take to get by? Like, that's like, that's now, that's immediate, you know? My medium term is more about, oh, I wanna take a vacation this year. And so I wanna put some money aside for that. And I, I wanna perhaps do some other things, including for me, and when I think medium term, about having that savings account for emergencies. And then the longer term, I'm thinking about retirement and I'm thinking about maybe a house or I'm thinking, you know, just so I kind of divide them up into those things. And then I'm continue, continuously dealing with all three of them. I'm not waiting for the long term to deal with the long term. I got to deal with the long term every day. I've got to deal with the medium term. So how do you think about these kind of things so that in our day to day lives, we kind of check all the boxes that we need to be checking so that we can still be doing what we want to do in 30 years? Absolutely. So, you know, it's it's a really great, um, it's a really great point of long-term is going to have long-term investments, right? There's the different, it's before you do anything, before you do anything with, you know, even before you put your money in, in a bank account, you need to understand what's the intention for this money? What is my intention? Because, you know, there's different um, investment accounts, there's different investment products, right, that will get you to the purpose of where you need to go. And if you're looking to buy a house, which you just said, right, so if I'm looking to buy a house, I'm not going to put my money in an IRA, in a retirement account or a Roth IRA that I would use to purchase my money. Why? Because, yeah, that money is being saved and it's long, but I'm actually going to get penalized if I'm pulling that money outside of me being 59 and a half and having that money be sit there for five years, right? So, Doing something like, you know, potentially a CD or a uh, or a brokerage account where I'm able to invest my money into something like, you know, the S&P 500 or an index stock bond or not bond or in an indexed account, sorry, that is going to give me consistent growth. That's going to have some, you know, a low amount of risk associated with it when you look at past performance, but I'm not going to have any penalties pulling my money out. If you don't have a high yield savings account, you're actively losing money. 
Right. And, you know, even if we look at, you know, accounts like, you know, there's so many accounts. One of the things that I always like to say or to recommend is go on NerdWallet, nerdwallet.com and and, you know, best high yield savings accounts or best CD rates, right? And they'll give it to you because depending on depending on what kind of an account you're opening, they, there are some varieties state by state. And it's going to give you a list of, you know, the top 10 or the top 20 accounts that are available to you. And look at, you know, is there a minimum balance that you have to maintain in the account? Um, are there any fees associated with it? And ultimately, what's the, is there a minimum deposit required or not? And a lot of times they're not. And what's the rate of return on an annual basis? And you will be surprised that you can get, you know, with zero commitment, with zero risk, you can have your money be making 5% for you just sitting there, right? So when you think about, okay, my emergency fund, or like if I'm looking to buy a house or if I want that vacation, where am I going to put that money that is going to give me a rate of return, but that I can pull out easily? Your retirement, whether you're in your 20s, my goodness, if you're starting in your 20s, congratulations, or whether you're you know, you're having to make up some time and some money if you're in the other, you know, in the in the um, older part of your career. You know your individual retirement account, whether it's a Roth or whether whether it's a Roth uh, IRA or an, or a traditional IRA. You want to give that money as much time to grow as possible, but you also don't want to touch it sooner than you need to, unless there's like a huge life emergency, right? Because that money is truly there to be for your long term growth. So, again, so once we start to know some of these foundational things of how do I line up, then you know what I always say is automate it and forget about it. Have that be as if you're paying your car payment or have that be as if you're paying your mortgage. It's not an, it's a non-negotiable. It's a non-optional. And again, remember, the earlier you start, the less those amounts can be. So you don't have to be, you know, putting aside if you're 20 years old, 25 years old, you don't have to be putting aside $500 a month if you don't have that money yet. Put aside $50, put aside $75, put aside $100. And again, plug it into the compounder app and see what that's going to do for you from you know, a 20 year from a 15 year standpoint. And it's truly fascinating once we understand how that money growth works, it becomes a lot more achievable for us. It doesn't feel like we have to be at the top of our career to start investing. And so I think what so many of us think about is when I reach this, you know, kind of pinnacle in my career, then I'll do this. And the reality is, you know, life just keeps getting faster, crazier, more expensive, and there's never a good time you know, there's never a better time later to start. 20 years ago would have been a perfect time to start. Today is the second best time to start and mm -hmm. later is better than never, but the sooner you start, the better off you are. And for everybody, I would say of, of all the things we've talked about and every bit of it matters, you know, but regardless of age, you know, I say retirement planning is like numero uno on the list. I mean, I, again, you got to get by through life, you know, but I would say, given the example I just gave, if I couldn't afford to get everything done that I want to get done, I would prioritize a plan for retirement, even at 20 years old, over saving for my house, you know, because I, I think they both have power. They're both, you know, good in all of it. But again, when I have to prioritize money, depending on where I am financially in life, you know, maybe it's that get in the habit of retirement savings, you know, whether it's a small amount, like you mentioned, or more. And then as your career grows, you start to shift a little bit. You're thinking, it's like, ooh, I'm going to add add i'm not going to subtract anything i'm going to add the layer of now planning to one day have a home to my mix of how i think about money but that retirement is like huge because we just know the industry struggles so badly um as we get further on in our careers as you've mentioned several times yeah absolutely and you know it's it's a crisis in the united states in general and i think when you look you know more specifically to our industry it truly is um 
it's a bleak reality for so many, for so many. But again, we have the chance to change that now for, for the future. Yes, we do. All right. I'm going back to best advice. It's, it's um, again, a theme for everything we, we do over at BeautyCast Network. And so I, I, I kind of want to go to independent of finance potentially, but again, it's your passion. So it might be very connected, but what is your best advice, Anna, for anybody who's listening um, to help them have the best possible career that they obviously that they, they want to have? You know, you can't pour from an empty cup. What we do is take care of everyone's needs all day long. And don't forget to take care of yourself in the process, because who's taking care of you when you're taking care of your guests, right? Or more importantly, who's taking care of you when you're no longer taking care of your best? So whether that's, you know, whether that's therapy to make sure you're mentally clear, whether that's continued education to make sure that you're learning the things that you need for your financial success long term, or to stay inspired, whether that's, um, you know, taking a proper lunch break to make sure that you're nourished, what you need to be taken care of, and work towards that unapologetically every single day. Because again, we spend our lives taking care of others. And it's really time we focused on taking care of ourselves. Such good advice, such good advice. And I love that you kind of slid the physical into that as well. It's just not, it is not just our, because the number one, I I said it before, number one reason that people leave this industry is is related to to money and finance and and perception of perhaps not enough. Number two, our bodies fall apart. It's, It's like right behind money. And so that hydration, that taking care of all that, all the stuff, it's so important. I'm so glad you mentioned it. Anna, you've got to come back. We have, we have, I would we, love to come back. We got to, we got, we got to dig into the weeds. We got to dig into the weeds, but I do have, um, I am working on a ebook as well. So Ooh. I want to share the link with you guys. Um, if for anybody that wants to learn more, definitely log on. It's called, um, it's going to be called the beautiful wealth. And if you go to www.thebeautifulwealth/get-started, you can download a copy and just get some of the financial basics that will be helpful for your career. Until next time, and then we can come back and talk about even more good things, Gordon. Love that. So, so, and tell people also where they should follow you on social, any, anywhere you want to send folks to find out more about you or or to learn from you. Where would that be? A. Manukian. You can find me on the Instagrams. Um, <laughs> I um, have an opportunity to do uh, Finance Fridays with Modern Salon every day. I've got a couple of columns with Salon Evo with Modern Salon, and I'm an often contributor to BTC as well. Um, so absolutely, A. Manukian on Instagram is where you'll find me. And Manukian. Manukian. Did I say that properly that time? Perfectly. Every time. But Anna clearly is one of the absolute go-to people for the entire professional beauty industry when it comes to finance and financial literacy and financial best practices. So everybody follow Anna. And Anna, I, I can't thank you enough for being with us here today. I can't thank Ulta enough, Ulta Beauty, for allowing us to have you as our guest today. Um, you know, they're huge supporters of, of everything you do. And and again, you, you have a really big job with Ulta. Yeah, you know, so- and, um I'll give that a quick, I'll give that, you know, we didn't talk about that very much, but the reality is, is that, you know, and whether you're familiar with Alta as a company or not, last year, I'm proud to say that we had almost 800 um, stylists across the country hit over $100,000 with with, 70% commission with full benefits and all the things. So I think, you know, again, one of the other areas of awareness is when you look at who is going to provide you, um, you know, a sustainable career opportunities, definitely give Alta take a look as well. So I want to make sure I talk about that because finance and Alta go hand in hand. 
I so love that. So again, Anna, I want to say thank you so much for being our guest today. Everybody follow Anna and and, um, yeah, stay tuned for a part two that I'm going to try to twist Anna's arm to come back sooner rather than later. If um, to our audience, if you you like what you heard today, I encourage you to leave a rating and a review, hit the subscribe button, better yet, share the podcast with your colleagues, share the podcast with your professional friends. It helps others to find the podcast. Be sure to follow us over at Beautycast Network on Instagram and Beautycast on Facebook. And this has been the Mastering Beauty Podcast from Beautycast Network. So be sure to tune in every single Sunday for new episodes. I'm Gordon Miller, your host and CEO of Beautycast Network. I can't wait to share more with you again next time.